Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop. It's a new day. Yes, it is. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Wild and Crazy Nights. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Hogan for the win. We're going to consistently put players in position to succeed. Most important piece is we're going to take the North and never give it back. From CHGO, it's Adam Hogue. I don't think that this is a, bit, a full rebuild, but you definitely have to retool your roster. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. Hey, what's up, Flus? And we're going to have measurable ways for standards of performance every single rep, every single game. Anyway, uh, who cares? Now, here they are, the Adams, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in. Hogan Johns with you on a Thursday morning as we, re- we record. Kind of early, actually. We haven't done a podcast this early in a while. Pre-9 a.m. Yeah. I've been up for like 45 minutes. Only. Still haven't finished my first coffee. Must have been nice to sleep until 7.15. <laughs> it was. I actually went to bed really early last night. Like we old had man a nice, early? We had a nice little meal last night, actually. We did. Some members of the Bears media um, trying to bring back some Bourbonnet vibes to training camp. Not quite the same. It was nice. I really enjoyed it, but it's not like... I can't remember you ever getting ahi tuna in Bourbonnet. <laughs> oh, no. Don't sleep on that. Uh, Brickstone had some ahi. Yeah, you got I, it from there? I think that's why my brain was telling me to order it. Okay. Yeah. I don't remember that being in the menu there. I remember a lot of other things being in that menu, but I never I'm, got the ahi tuna from Brickstone. I'm relatively sure that there that there was an ahi tuna dish, dish if we're calling that, in, at Brickstone Brewery. Okay. Yeah. I would just get the burger sometimes, the pretzel bun, roast beef. Yeah, that was pretty good. Yes. It just wasn't the same. Like dinner was over, and like uh, you know, we okay, we're going to Donlin's or not. No, oh, we went two home. hour drive. Yeah, <laughs> no, it was. Home. It was. Yeah, we went home, and then I went to bed right away. Actually, because it was a kind of a tiring three days, and yesterday was hot. Th- that is old man early. It's humid. The humidity takes a lot out of you. It does. It felt like Bourbon Day at practice yesterday, with that humidity that just sits on top of you. But um, yeah, no, we're good. And uh, even though the Bears are off today, we wanted to get you another podcast this week. Plenty to talk about. We have uh, questions that have been solicited on Twitter that we are going to fly through a little bit too here. Uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. Uh, you should be subscribed to The Athletic at theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns and uh, CHGO at allchgo.com. Plenty of trading camp coverage coming in. I want to start with uh, what you and Kevin did yesterday, actually. I mean, it was like a full breakdown of every single team period from... Uh, yeah, you want to know what Justin Fields is doing? Then then, then here. Here's what he's doing. No, no, no. You're not I, allowed every to. Single play. I read on Twitter you're not allowed to do this. Well, we did it. No, you can't. You're not allowed to break down what you're seeing at practice. So he was better. The offense was better. There was, I want to say, the third team drill wasn't good. 
But by the time they did the the portion where they can actually move the ball, like sustained drives, if you want to call it, the offense was good. They were fine. They made some plays when needed. What did you think? I thought um, that the I thought Fields was off to a shaky start yesterday, um, coming off the heels of Tuesday's practice, which has been well documented wasn't great with the exception of the goal line sequence, which was really good. Um, but even in individual drills, I was watching them and like he wasn't hitting that net they throw at. Like he was just off. He threw a pass early on to Cole Komet that was so far behind him. It was also actually behind Jaquan Brisker, who was in coverage and he couldn't even make a play on the ball. So yeah. it was a shaky start, I thought. I but think it was. Hold on, even before those team drills, I believe it was Clay Harbor, the former tight end who was sitting in the family friends section, who made note of how bad the offense or the offensive players were in one-on-one drills, or even routes on air, how many balls were missed by the receivers or or fields to the receivers or the other quarterbacks to the receivers. Not a good day in those drills for the Bears skilled guys. No, yeah. So it it was a shaky start, but then when they got into... The what, what what's Flus calling it? The play it's. I think he calls it play it's. Play it. Where you just, you just play it. You know, you get out there. It's a drive. They put all the players and coaches on the sidelines. They try to make it as much of a Getsy game as calls possible. Getsy calls plays. Yes. And then the and then the coordinators, Luke Getsy and Alan Williams, are literally calling the plays and the coverages as they see fit, instead of everything being scripted. For most of practices. For fans who might not know this, like they come in with a script, and usually it's like they go through walkthrough. Hey, these are the plays we're going through today. And there might be they might throw in here and there a surprise of like a play that they put in a long time ago, like that touchdown throw yesterday from Fields to Mooney. Fields said that that's a play they've had in since OTAs, but most of practice is usually scripted like that. Yeah, different downs and distances. Testing specific plays. Exactly. Yes. Going through specific plays. When they get to the play, it's it's like they're actually running a real drive. So when you run a first and 10, you don't know if the next play is going to be second and four or second and 14. So then what's based off what you do. Right. So then the coordinator is actually, okay, assessing down and distance, going to the play sheet. What am I going to call? Same thing on the other end. Alan Williams is calling the defense. So it's like a game. And in that sequence, the offense, first couple plays weren't great. Then they managed to get a first down on third and long. Uh, Tough catch by Cole Komet over the middle. And then all of a sudden, the drive got going. Can I bring up that play? Because that play has been broadcasted by the Bears as like some pinpoint laser throw. Now it did get through to uh, defenders, at least the video that you've seen. By I think it got Bears. tipped. It got tipped like almost twice. So uh, where it looks like Komet just catches it initially without any deflection or anything. No, that ball was actually in the air, and he had to like double catch that. Yeah. So you have an edited video from behind Cole Komet where it looks like he catches it without issue, but there was issue with that catch. Impressive by him, good focus by him, but it was tipped by Jaquan Brisker. Right, and I and I think it was tipped at the line too, or like nicked just barely. I, 
that's the type of catch though we want to see Cole Komet make. He had a better one later. Yeah. So that I think th- so this is where we're kind of shifting from some of the shakiness at the start to like, okay, make plays when you need to make plays. That drive was had an ominous start to it. And then all of a sudden you have a key player make a key catch on third down. That's how you sustain drives sometimes. Sometimes that's what you need, a play to be made like that. And then all of a sudden, the offense was looking pretty good down the field. Yeah, I well, have one complaint about the – here comes uh, Buzz Killington coming back, the Debbie Downer and me coming back. I have, I have one complaint about that sustained drive because I want to give credit to the defense. You know, you and I were talking about that Equinamius St. Brown fumble. Great throw and catch. There's contact made at the end of the run by Equinamia St. Brown. You actually, Someone shared video of it. I think it might have been Clay Harbor. Um, that hit was not late. It was not late. That's contact. He has to hold on to that football. Yeah. That was a free ball. I know that sustained drive, play it, period, is something the offense needs. But that was a free ball, loose ball. The Jalen Johnson picked up, potentially turned into a touchdown for the defense. So if I have one complaint. Like, I want to give the defense credit for that. That was a forced fumble. Potential touchdown made by the defense. That didn't really count. You had to, you had to bring it back. They called it, you know, I get the situation a little bit that um, that there's not full tackling, so maybe there was some surprise and some on St. Brown's part, but he's got to hold on to that football. I mean, these defenders have been whacking at these footballs late every single drill. It applies there, and that one was not late. That was good contact. Hold on to the football. You're looking well, for it? Yeah, I just found it because we had the uh, we were on the far far end of the field. So yeah, he catches it. Good job of getting open. Um, coming over the middle of the field, and then you're right. That, that was, was a Joe, straight Joe. fumble. Yeah. So. So the debate you and I were having in the stands was, was is that a quote-unquote legal hit for practice? Because they're not live. And Equinemius St. Brown basically got hit to the ground there like it was a real football play. Um, And I questioned, like, I wasn't trying to make excuses for it, but you're not expecting that level of thud. Uh in a non-live period, and maybe that's why he fumbled it. Now, you still got to learn how to hold on to the ball no matter what. So I'm 100% on board that it should be a fumble. But I'm actually surprised now watching this video from the other end. That actually does look like not only just regular thud, but it's a peanut straight punch. punch. It's, it's a straight punch, punch to the ball. Yeah. Yeah. Nice play. Who is it? Joe Thomas? Yeah, Joe Thomas, who had himself a nice practice yesterday, by the way. He did. He did. Um, oh, yeah. He just punches the ball out. Yeah. Okay. In so, fact, it, it's almost sad that St. Brown goes to the ground. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm revising everything that was said yesterday. That was not a touchdown drive. That was a turnover. <laughs> the Bears offense sucks. <laughs> Debbie Downer. Um, but no, that, that's my one complaint about the whole. Like, of course, it was in a cu- comeback. I think they actually gave him a first down. Um, that was a fumble. Nice play by Joe Thomas. Nice reaction by Jalen Johnson. That was a scoop and score. It was. No one was even close to number 33 on the way to the opposite end zone. But, yeah, I just want to give the defense some credit. For all obsessed we are with the offense, let's give the defense some credit for forcing a turnover. Like, they're taught. They've been peanut punching all day. 
Yeah. Every day they're doing it. They got one. Did you happen to see my five questions with Cole Komet? Yes. So one of the questions I asked him, because I've noticed this, is how much does it hurt when they miss the ball? Because they're punching every single time. Yeah. And I was like, and what, like there was a play the other day. I can't remember if I talked about this or not already, but um, where Darnell Mooney just got straight punched in the stomach. <laughs> and and like, like you could tell that he got the wind knocked out of him. And he was really hurting. So I asked Cole Komet, I said, uh, uh, the defense is punching at the ball every single time you touch it. How much does it hurt when they miss? He said, okay, so this happened in OTAs. I got hit, so I started stiff-arming. And people didn't <laughs> like that I was stiff-arming. So I just told the guys, well, don't hit me, and you won't get stiff-armed. So guys are a little lighter on me now because they know what's going to happen if I get hit. I like that. I like that level of violence by the tight end. But then Sorry, he goes... <laughs> But it hurts like a bitch when you get hit. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say that. Sorry. Yeah. It's got to uh, be extremely I, annoying. Got to be extremely. Yeah. Um, that was a fun conversation with Cole Clement. If you want to check it out, it's on uh, allchgo.com. If you didn't sign up for the newsletter, but you should do that because you can get it via your email next week. Anyway, so. All right. So this super nice uh, touchdown drive we're all celebrating was technically a turnover. I still think it's good. Okay, it's practice, so they give him a first down, continue the drive. Um, it They got into the red zone, and then they executed it in the red zone. Like I think that, that there's some things in there that matter um, that are positives. It's fourth and one. From like the three or four. Yeah. They're inside the five. It's fourth and one. At first, I was like, he's not just going to kick the field goal here. I think they tried to draw the defense offsides. Didn't work. They call timeout goes for it, which I like. And then they went to like a bread and butter play that Fields even admitted after practice was he's like, yeah, it was relatively easy. Just a nice pitch and catch to Darnell Mooney yes. towards the left pylon. Yes. How many of those did he have last year? Like, did they have any bread and butter plays well, last they, year? They claimed to, but none of them looked like that. No. But seriously, like... We've seen them practice that play a few times. I think there was a similar one. Did they just run it on the goal line situation a day earlier, too? Something like it. There's different <laughs> variations where he's sprinting to the flat like that. Darnell yeah. Mooney seems to create instant separation with that route. I like it. It was good for the offense. It's good for Justin Fields. And then the twos did. The twos made it look even easier. Tristan Ebner's fast. Did you notice that? He is. So Trevor Simeon, he, um, I didn't see the start of the route. I kind of looked like the end of just a regular wheel, but he must have, there must have been some misdirection in there because he just came out of the backfield like wide open to the left. And Simeon just flipped it over there. It was just all green grass, but he still had about 55 yards ish to run. And, he just took off. I was impressed with the speed on that play. Yeah. He's got a roster spot. He made the rooster. He made the roster. Um, I thought Justin Fields' best passes came during the two-minute situation. Over the middle to Cole Komet and Equinamia St. Brown, who had himself a good practice. His best practice by far. The Cole Komet one, like, if you want to share this one on Bears Twitter, Bears Twitter account, like, that was threading the needle. 
in traffic over the middle. Tough catch that you need from your big tight end. Took a hit. Took a high hit. Still made the catch. Got the first down. Like those were my those were the best passes by Fields, in my opinion. Not only for where the ball was placed, but for what he did in the pocket. There was some pressure. He stepped up, stayed composed, footwork was good, and delivered good strikes over the middle through traffic. Those were my favorite plays by him. And that was a two-minute situation. I think end the half, not end the game, but end the half situation that Ibrafus put them in. All right, so we get to some questions. All right. I had some good ones come in. This is my first one. First one. This is from Jeremy Layton. Why does reporting what is happening in training camp make you a threat to Bears Twitter, democracy, the free world, and perhaps humanity as we know it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. People are up in arms. I knew there was a problem when, like, you. I feel like this podcast is, in general, more times than not, labeled the positive podcast. Yeah! <laughs> Remember when we were, like, the positive guys? And, and like, yesterday on our CHGO show, I'm getting hammered in the comments for being negative. And you're getting sideswiped for some reason. People are jumping in there like, Johns is the most negative guy on the beat. <laughs> I'm like, Johns? What? I feel like these people are in like new to Twitter or new to Bears Media Twitter, which is fine. Welcome to the club. Yeah. Join us. We've been here for a long time. We're, I don't know. I, I don't, it's. They're My not a great team right now. There's going to be some bad things that pop yes, up from here, yes. here and there. Justin Fields had two completions during a seven-on-seven seven drill where he had like nine attempts. It's not good. Just, just saying. Um, my favorite criticism of us was that you're just doing this for clicks. Oh yeah. And on Twitter, there are no clicks, people. <laughs> There's no link to click on. What a click are we clicking on? And I work for a subscription site. Yes. Maybe here on YouTube. Okay. But let me tell you, from my 14, 15 years of experience in Chicago media, the good stuff does better. <laughs> yes, like, when the team like, plays well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Whether it's the Derrick Rose Bulls or those the World Series winning Cubs or those Hawks teams. I covered those Hawks teams. The Hawks coverage was like dead. Yeah. They start winning. Everybody wants to know what you're doing. The same thing applies to Justin Fields. Just look at the, the tweets where he does well, where it's like a like a great play, where like he's completing a 30-yard pass over the middle to Byron Pringle. There's more likes on that tweet than the negative ones. Yeah. So There's no, no clicks. That's a great point. Like, If it was all about clicks and stuff, we would only report the good things, not the bad. Yes. We're yes. just telling you what we're seeing, guys. And... To that point, this podcast is going to year eight. The Bears have had one good season during all those years. And I think someone actually said lie, that in the comments. We had a nice little boost in 2018. I'd love to have that every year. It'd be great. Yes, yes. I wonder what it would be like if this was a Patriots podcast and we covered all those Super Bowls. <laughs> right. I mean, I, I love that uh, we have the listenership we do. It's great, but like, it's been a grind. Yes. The fact that you people are still hanging around listening to this, despite the football that we've had to cover all these years, is uh, I think a testament to how awesome we Bear, Bears fans games are. quarterback by Matt Barkley, Mike Glennon, Brian Hoyer. 
Oh, like, we did podcasts off those games. We did. <laughs> Jimmy Clausen. Jimmy Clausen. Oh, that Seattle game. That would have been year one of the pod. I want to say thank you to the fans that said hi to us. We took a couple pictures at camp yesterday. Say hello. Yell from us from the stands. I did like the the fans, the listeners yelling down to the fish man. Hey, fish man. I like that. Keep yeah. that up. Keep that up. We won't tell anybody, though, that right before we walk through the stands, he goes, this is my least favorite part of training camp. <laughs> oh, wait. Are we recording right now? Did I just say that? So keep it up. So keep it up. Every time you see Kevin yell, yell at uh, him about uh, Ladarius Mack. Yes, please do. Please do. All right. Let's get serious. This is from Logan. Simple question. Does the ride receiver situation look as bad as everyone thinks it is? Um, I want to repeat something I said the other day. The upgrades in the starting secondary with Kyler Gordon, with Jaquan Brisker, with a system that I think fits Kendall Vildor a bit better. Like, you see that. Yeah. You see that. And... Yeah, the receivers have had some problems. I think St. Brown has had some better moments yesterday. Dante Pettis has been better. Uh, Byron Pringles made a couple big plays here or there, even though you're you're becoming more sour on him. Um, but the talent, well, I just didn't like the I just didn't like the drops last last week. Yeah, well, yeah, drops are not good. The, the talent favors the the secondary. You see it with Brisker, Gordon, and still with Jackson and Johnson. Well, and and that's kind of my fear. Um, I think it's too early to really know. I got to see these guys in games. But when you watch Darnell Mooney run routes, you're like, that's an NFL wide receiver. Everyone else on the team, tell me if you agree with this. They're getting open because of the scheme. Like they're getting open because of the play. Mooney's getting open because he's special. His route running has been incredible to watch yeah. in practice. Yeah. And it's been against some of those players that you just talked about. Well, I think you um, see it when it's in one-on-ones. And I, for, I don't like to overrate or overstate what they do in one-on-ones, but when you see the separation that Mooney like automatically oh. creates for himself in those, that's different than the rest of the bunch. It just he, he roasted Kyler Gordon so bad yesterday in one-on-ones. Like, it was like a welcome to the NFL rookie moment for Gordon. Like, this is this is what you're going to have to deal with regularly when you face real-ass NFL wide receivers <laughs> on Sundays. Yeah, it's good for Gordon. It's good experience. It It is. So I guess my fear is just, I have a fear that I'm going to, Circle back with some hope, I think. Okay. So I don't think the Bears have anyone else like that on their wide receiver depth chart that can consistently get open on their own. And I think that the gap between Mooney and the rest of the wide receivers continues to grow every single day, in part because Mooney just looks that good. So, like, there's two sides to that story. And part of that story is Mooney is separating himself because he just continues to look better and better. Very high on him right now. That creates some worry, I think, about the rest of the group. And if there's going to be another option who can just get open. But then all of a sudden you have these plays where St. Brown is running wide open over the middle. 
where Byron Pringle is getting open. And I think that's the offense. I think I think that that's that the hope is because the Bears didn't really have many guys like that last year either that could get open consistently. And I don't think the offense ever schemed them open. So I they think ran, the whole, they, they, they ran a lot of curls and hitches. Right. I mean, you see what Allen Robinson's been doing in L.A., by the way? Oh, he's going to love it there. There's highlights every single day. There was a one-handed catch. I listened to Robert Mays on the football show the other day. He had been out there to a Rams practice. I mean, I think he put Allen Robinson in the Hall of Fame. This is from Trey, kind of a follow-up. Which wide receiver outside of Mooney has made the most plays? Um, I want to say St. Brown is... I see what you're saying now. After yesterday's team drill. Um, I have to rank the plays made by receivers. It's like Mooney, St. Brown, Pringle. Then I'm going to say it's like a tie for fourth between Bayless Jones Jr. and like... Chris Fink. Yeah. Wait. A tie for fourth. Yeah. I so you, just, had, you had Pringle third? Yes. I I, think, I I was expecting to see more from Bayless Jones Jr. by this point in camp. I was. Yeah, so I did the wide receiver rankings in my Bears things too. I had Bayless fourth, but I did note I was hoping for a faster start from the third round pick, but he did make a couple nice plays Tuesday. Uh, Pettis, Dante Pettis rose after a couple practices this week. I do have Chris Fink up there. Like he just seems like a steady player. He's undersized, but he made a really nice catch yesterday in one-on-ones over Kyler Gordon, by the way. So this is from Alex. How much has the culture change raised the floor of this team? That's an interesting way to put it. Um, because I do think the buy-in's there. Now, I think the buy-in was also there in 2018 in Matt Nagy's first year. So the question is, is the buy-in still there when adversity strikes? Um, and I think that's what we learned about the last regime is when things started to go awry in the middle of 2019, like right around that London trip, things started to fall apart. So it's no guarantee that Flus and Getze and everybody is going to have that buy-in, you know, three years from now. But I do think it's there right now. And that can be worth a win or two this year. Because I, I, I still look at this team, for all we're being accused of being negative right now, I would still bet the over right now, I think, on wins. It still takes the right players to lead that buy-in. Like we've seen this system or this mindset or this culture before. It's Lovey Smith all over again. There's some different nuances here or there. Some messages might be a bit different from Eberflus, but the same general principles. Lovey's Bears had the right players to lead that buy-in year after year after year. I don't think we're there yet with Matt Eberflus's Bears, but it looks like Jaquan Brisker could be a good start. It looks like Kyler Gordon could be a good start. That's what it is, a start. It's a good way to put it. I don't know. 
I thought I sounded smart. <laughs> From Jason, how have the fullbacks been used so far? Well, isn't there only one? Yes. So, how has Blazing Game, Kari Blazing Game, been used? Um, he's been used a lot. He's been used. It just the fullback thing kind of intrigues me because there's only one of them, and Blazing Game's been—he hasn't played a whole lot of football actually. It's been hurt, dealt with some things. So how important is that position really if they're just going to carry one and there's no depth there? You know what I mean? Are they going to have some of these other running backs fill that role? Another Two back sets? I have not, I, I have... Correct me if I'm wrong, but I have not, I have not seen a tight end lead the way through a hole yet. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. So it's a game to it, whether it's outside or in zone zone, but I'm pretty sure he, well, he had that nice catch down the sideline the other day. Remember that? I I think that's the one thing worth pointing out here because Iberflus, Getze have both highlighted him as a pass catcher and that type of versatility of what he could bring to the offense. Just uh-huh. not just the guy who's going to blow up a linebacker or try to blow up holes and stuff like that, but a guy who could actually get outside in the flat, heck, even up the field a little bit on a wheel route. Like he could catch the ball, he could be a threat, and he's a big guy. And I think he was on the, definitely on the recipient of one of those touchdown throws the other day in um, the goal line period that went well. So I like him. I I'm a fullback guy. I'm glad that they're carrying him, but. I'm just a little concerned about I'm still trying to figure out how much they really care about the care about the fullback if they only have one on a 90 man roster. That's all. Well, he's going to play in special teams, we know that. Yeah. Do you like Formula 1 but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search The Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. Um, we have a few questions about Braxton Jones. I'll just go with this one since it's right there on my Twitter account right now. How is Braxton look? And why has Riley Reef gone to right tackle? So this is, it, I mean, it's, it's very interesting to me. Did they just pick a three-day stretch here where they're like, okay, Riley Reef, we want you to work over on the right side and rotate with Larry Borum. And then maybe this weekend, like when we get it back out there on the practice field, I'm going to be very curious to see where Riley Reef is. Is he yeah. left or right? 
because I could see it both ways. I could see them looking at this like, well, we got to make sure Riley Reeves comfortable in our offense on both sides because he's the one guy who can clearly play left or right. And with Tevin Jenkins out of the picture, apparently, like maybe Riley Reeves, the guy you need to be your swing tackle. Okay. But, or did they do that because they quickly identified with the pads going on that they wanted Braxton Jones to just take the reps at left tackle and go for it. I like the point you're making. I want to see what they do on Friday because now they have two days of film of Braxton Jones and full pads getting into his sets against Robert Quinn on some snaps. Yeah. Like, what does he look like? How is he holding up? What's that goal line drill look like with him at left tackle? Those are the things that the Bears now have film of. Like, if he's out there for every snap again on Friday in full pads, like, oh, this like they're giving him a full shot at earning this position. Riley Reef might have to beat out Larry Borum on the right side. I think that's where I'm going. I don't think I'm getting too far ahead of myself either because there's a preseason game less than two weeks away now, like just five practices away. Yeah, and they should play those guys a lot. Yes. In that game. Now, um, things may change after that. We've seen that. We've talked about that, how that changed with the Bears. Sure. The old Jamarcus Webb situation. But it also wouldn't surprise me if, like, okay, this was Braxton Jones three days to clearly be the number one left tackle. Now, this weekend could be Larry Borum's opportunity on the right side to just be like, you're the first team right tackle, and then have Riley Reef rotate on the left. Um That's I think that'll tell us a lot here. But here, regardless of whatever they're doing, it's still significant that they went from OTAs throwing Braxton Jones out there to keeping him there as the number one left tackle when camp started. Then they add Riley Reef to the picture. They're ramping him up. But when the pads go on, Braxton Jones the left tackle. That does not mean he's starting week one against the 49ers. At a minimum, it tells you they think this dude has a lot of potential. Yeah. That they like what they've seen on and off the field. On the field, whether he's having a bad rep or a good rep, he sure looks the part. He sure has a lot of traits that you love with an NFL left tackle. So if he can put it together, especially in the classroom in the meetings, understanding the offense. There's a lot of potential there to like. There's a chance that this dude becomes a steal with where the Bears got him. Now, there's a big difference between all that being ahead of you right now and then being able to execute it at a level where you can really go out there week one against a good 49ers defense and a really good defensive line and execute at a high level to protect Justin Fields' blindside so he doesn't get killed out there. But the early returns, because you can tell a lot, and Johns, you know this at this point, how many training camps we've covered. You can tell a lot with how they deploy these players in practice, how they feel about them. There's a big difference. Just look at just look at Braxton Jones getting first-team left tackle reps and Tevin Jenkins being missing. Literally missing. Literally missing. Is he at camp? Is he in the building? I don't know. He's working with the trainers. 
Are they the Bears trainers? Are they random trainers? Are they some trainers down the street? I have no idea. But he's, he's working with trainers. Please come trade for him, by the way, even though he's working with trainers. There's a question. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, but what do you think the... What would you expect compensation-wise? I'm sorry if I'm not crediting you for this question, but I'm on to another one. Um, but this was out there. What, what would you expect compensation-wise for Tepa Jenkins? Uh, a late-round pick? Not Nothing? Is anybody even calling? We're talking about a guy who has... Before he was drafted, was off some team's draft boards. Because of his back. Because of his back. Then, he has back surgery. Comes back, does not look ready. Which was somewhat understandable because didn't have training camp, didn't have practices, wasn't able to really lift during all that. He didn't look ready to play at the NFL level when he came back. So now you're thinking, all right, offseason, get in shape, be an NFL player, come back strong, shows up to OTAs, gets benched. Then training camp starts, and he's not there. He practices one time. He has practiced one time in two years of training camp practices at this point. So I'm just saying, like, if you're another team, what is there to like about from the moment he got drafted to now that you're going to be willing to give up a draft pick for? I mean, you're going off your own draft grades, your own draft preferences from a year ago, right? <laughs> Hell, there's still some intrigue about what what the Bears really saw there. There's some dispute about who was really high on him and how much influence Matt Nagy and Juan Castillo had over the selection of Tevin Jenkins. We'll save that for another day, maybe for another story. Let me let me ask you this, though. If they were to waive him, would you even claim him off waivers and pick up that contract? Good question. Wait, does that carry? Yeah, it does carry. Yeah. Remember when the Bears claimed Roberto Aguayo? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yes, I do. <laughs> oh, the many kickers we covered. Um, it was your colleague, Nick Marino, Nick Moriano, um, that referenced this by Nate Taylor, my colleague at The Athletic. He referenced this on August 1st on Twitter the other day. Can I read this from you? This is an excerpt from Nate Taylor's story about the Chiefs' draft thoughts about Seven Jenkins. <clears throat> In April, the Chiefs did multiple mock drafts as a staff, going through several scenarios to see which prospects would be available, either at their 31st pick or if the team moved up a few spots through potential deals. The two most talented tackle prospects who were available in those mocks were Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State and Liam Eikenberg from Notre Dame. That held true as both prospects weren't selected in the first round of the draft. The Chiefs thought Jenkins and Eichenberg were good prospects, but they weren't convinced either player would be the team starting left tackle in week one. Of course, Ryan Poles was involved in those evaluations. Yeah, so, I mean, that tells me they liked them. A little I just bit. Didn't, 
didn't think they were plug and play players. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. Uh, what do you read out of that? I read that. Like my initial reaction is maybe he's not as high in him as we thought. He would seem to have the tenacity, the attitude, the meanness, the mean streak that Ryan Poles likes to identify in his offensive lineman. But something might yeah. be off. Maybe it's his back. Maybe it's how you have to coach him up. Just an interesting situation. Yeah. All right, from Sam. When would you expect the O-line shuffle to settle down and when they zero in on their starting five? After the second preseason game. Which, by the way, those are like... The way that this got scheduled this year, those are... Bam, bam. Yeah. I, I mean, unless they're going to end up treating the third preseason game a little bit more seriously than it, it was last year, um, they play on the 13th against the Chiefs at home, and then they turn around. That's a Saturday, and then they play. They turn around and play the Seahawks. They got to fly to the West Coast and play the Seahawks Thursday on a short week. So... That's going to be actually be very interesting and I'm sure will impact like which players play a lot. The, like one of the best things about adding like Riley Reef and Michael Schofield is that the shuffling you're doing is like okay cuz you know what you're getting in those guys. Yeah. They're not like some young guys that are they're, they're not even like journeymen looking for like a third or second second or third opportunity. Like these guys have started a lot of football games. There's a lot of tape on them. Ryan Poles, Matt Eberflus, Chris Morgan should know exactly what they're getting. Luke Gessie should know exactly what they're getting from them, whether they play, you know, whether Reef plays on left side or right side or Schofield, you know, starts or doesn't start at right guard. They know what they, they, they know what they're getting with those two veterans. The expectations are different. I, I would think that by the time you get back from Seattle, though, you have a much better picture of what you have in these young guys and can start to piece together that what you think is your starting five. All right, let's do two or three more. This is from Guar. Guar, Guar Cleveland. Now that the pads are on, how does the running game look? The run blocking, run defense, scheme, the running backs. Or are the snaps still pretty limited? You like the running game. I do like the running game. I think the Bears can run the ball. How's that for being a Debbie Downer? The Bears haven't been able to run the ball in years. Like, they sucked at running the ball under Matt Nagy. <laughs> they got a little bit better last year, but then if you look at the numbers, it really tailed off the last six weeks. Sucked. Anyway, I think they can run the ball. I do. I think I've seen signs of it. Like these arm tackles where David Montgomery's getting hit like four, five, six yards down the field. Like he's running through that. Killer Herbert looks good. That running back room looks good. Not only is fits for this outside zone scheme, but like pass catchers. 
I think they have something there in the running backs. Now there's a lot of moving parts to that. Um, but I think you'll see more balance. Just look at the history of like the Kubiak offenses, the Shanahan offenses. This is where it's going. The Bears want to run the football. So for all of our obsession over fields and whatnot, and rightfully so, he's the quarterback, the Bears are going to be a run-first team. And I think they can run the ball. I agree with everything you just said. Uh, I, I think, and I think that to me, the optimism that they can, because someone could easily come back at us right now and be like, well, how the hell can you know that if they can't even figure out who the five offensive linemen are? Like, How do you know that they can run block? I think it goes back to trusting Ryan Poles, which can be a dicey thing at this point. He needs to earn the benefit of the doubt. But it is very clear that he has targeted specific linemen that either have experience in this offense or physically fit this offense in their body composition, their movement skills. And the idea there is that no matter which five guys you have out there, you're they're going to be able to physically run the scheme and then trust the scheme to make it work with the running backs behind them. And I, I think the Bears have a really very underrated running back room. It's one of those things where like we're close to the Bears and I have said some things repeatedly in the offseason. Like, I think the Bears have at least a top 10 running back room. Like their depth there might be top five even when you put it the whole room together. And then you see rankings from other places that like put them like 30th. They're not 30th. Yeah. All right. Two quick ones and I got a fun one for you. This is from Justin. Who are the guys that fans didn't know that you think will make the 53? I got two names for you. Okay. Linebackers, Matthew Adams and Joe Thomas. Well, they know who Matthew Adams is because he got arrested. Making plays on the field. Yeah. Okay. Joe Joe Thomas Thomas. has been pretty good. Yes. Joe Thomas has been around, though. Joe Thomas is in his seventh NFL season. Yeah, but you hear Joe Thomas. You're not thinking this Joe Thomas. No, but he's been... He's a legit... He's like kind of like an Alec Ogletree. To be honest, like a guy that's kind of bounced around, but has been pretty good. Although Ogletree was a um, was a first round pick, wasn't he? I think he was, wasn't he? Out of Georgia, he was. I think so. Yeah, by the Rams. Um, I'll go a little deeper. Okay, if you're looking one for me, I like what I've seen from Micah Du Treadway, the defensive tackle out of Minnesota. Undrafted are, free agent going deep. Yeah. So, you know, I could talk up Jack Sanborn and the Badger all 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 day, but if I'm telling you a gopher might make it, you might, might, might want to pay attention to that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh tight end Ryan Griffin's been good. I think he's got a spot in the team. I'm, I'm naming veterans because I think there will be for as young as they want to be, you'll still see some death filled out by older dudes. Wait, well, who was the last one? Ryan Griffin. Tight end. Big yeah, guy. He's a, I think he's like a starter, basically, dude. Yeah. Well, they're not talking about that household names. Right, but they're going to be in a lot of two tight end sets, I think, and he's definitely the second one. That is true. 
That is true. So. All right. Come back to that question when Kevin Fishbane is here and he brings up somebody you've never even heard about. Let's see. Who do we think Kevin... I'm trying to pick out. Who do you think Kevin Fishbane... I like this, yeah. Um, who his... Ladarius Mack is this year. I'm looking at the roster. Like Chase Allen? No. Kevin Shea? I haven't heard him really talk anybody up. Maybe a Jason Stanley cornerback out of Georgia? Huh. This is hard. Um, Quick one for you. Mr. Special Teams, this is from Billy. Who is winning the punt return, kick return battle? Okay, that's really hard to to say just off the practices when they're not even really... Got to see the games. But I would say the leader in the clubhouse, Valus Jones Jr. Mm -hmm. And then... Personally, if I'm relying on uh, Khalil Herbert more in the offense this year, which I think his carries could see an uptick, I might have Treston Ebner with that speed just do that job. Although when you watch Valus Jones Jr. run, he he got some Cordell Patterson in him. He's big. So I might just have him do both. That's going to be fascinating to see how that's deployed, though. They got some options there. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that play out in the preseason. People don't really know this, um, but if you look at the... So, punt return-wise last year, once they added Jakeem Grant, the Bears were actually really good with their punt returns, uh, statistically, with some of the analytics when it comes to that. Kick return, as much as... People like Khalil Herbert, they took a huge step back from the year before when they had Cordell Patterson. Like a huge drop. So for a team that I think is going to be really reliant on field position, this is actually a very important question, and they have to find a better answer. So that's where I, looking at those numbers, I get a little skeptical that Khalil Herbert's still going to be the kick returner. But something to watch here in the next few weeks, for sure. Last but not least, Chris Grant. Is RC better in a can or from the fountain? I would say it's better when you get a free and a liter from your favorite pizza place. (sighs) (laughs) This is a setup. I will say this. The, uh, The RC in the can in the media room has been better than I... Thought. It's better it's than be- the fountain at Soldier Field. Yes. Yes, for sure. Um here here's where where I need some clarification on some things, okay? <laughs> Your All Chicago right. credentials are now in full question in Bears Twitter. Yeah. Specifically and, and, with native Chicagoans. And I'll be honest, it pisses me off. Okay. <laughs> I don't like to have my Chicago credentials. All right. You could question my football credentials before my Chicago credentials. All right. Because I was born on the corner of Armitage and Lincoln. All right. 
There's some like, townhomes like, there. Like, like on the actual corner? Well, there's some townhomes there. There used to be a hospital, okay? You could you could walk to Old our house. Children's Memorial Hospital, you're talking My about. My mom literally walked to the hospital when I was born. I'm not making that up. That's a true story. I'm just a little disappointed she didn't stop at the River Shannon for a drink on the way. Hey, now. Okay. But maybe there were some celebratory beverages on the way home when she walked home. Um, which places are just like, I need examples. I okay. St- so we used to order from Renali's, which people know where the area I'm talking about right down there. Okay. Unless I'm completely missing something, they were not just handing us free RC colas. And I'm certainly familiar with the idea of like a coupon where it's like, Oh, the old pizza coupons. Staples yeah, yeah. Top of Order the box. a large whatever. We'll throw in a two liter of pop, which most of the time for me, I always saw Pepsi or Coke. You're saying that whenever you ordered a pizza, automatically they gave you a free two liter of RC Cola. Yes. Yes. Sano's, my favorite place on Lawrence as a kid. And there's other examples. I, I want to say Dino's, which I'm going to order from on Friday. Dino's on Higgins. Okay. I don't think they still give the free RC Cola, but it's it's still provided as an option. And I'm gonna, I'm going to show you. So if you're listening to this, tweet us your examples. I think some of you already have. Well, I needed an example though that was close to me, because I'm wondering, I'm wondering if this was like more of an outskirts of Chicago thing than. I don't know. Then I like just park. It blew me away. My dad did say there's a there's a hot dog place called Red Hot Mamas. That they would have RC Cola. I want to give the Irish Bear Show. They have their own podcast. Check them out. Some credit on this one. You know where else RC is prevalent? Buff Joe's. Oh. The wing yeah. place in Evanston. Fantastic wings. Mega Gut RC would be part of my order. So you right. order a spicy cheddar chips. Mega Gut RC. All right. Well, we got to go because our producer, Kent, has to go. He has to catch a flight, he does. and we don't want him to be late for his flight. So we have challenged you now. We need examples. We'll figure this out. Pizza Pick Friday. Mm, sounds good. Follow us on Twitter, at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. Please rate and review the podcast. Subscribe on YouTube. Find us there. Read us on the athletic, lchgo.com. We'll talk to you next week. See ya. Hey, what's up, Floos? 